Hey guys, it's Natalie, and welcome to Medical Warrior Podcast. I'm here again with my friend, Joe, who is also my caretaker. Hi, everybody. I'm Joe. Welcome to the show. So last episode, we got into a little bit about PTSD, and I think this episode, we're going to kind of expand on mental health and how that kind of plays a huge role Yeah. in the whole process of your journey of yep. 100 surgeries. Yep. Obviously, mental health is a very sensitive topic, and we talked a little bit about it off air, about how much you wanted to open up, Mm -hmm. and you expressed that you feel it's very important that people are aware. Yeah. So you're willing to open up about it. You wanted to do this episode. Yeah. So being a sensitive subject as it is... Mm-hmm. And you're willing to talk about it. You're you're openly willing to talk about it. Oh yeah, which I find is very very brave of you. Thank you. There's a stigma kind of around mental health, mental illnesses. Yeah, and a lot of people don't understand. They just think like when something's not right, you're maybe a little irritated more mm-hmm. than you know average person would be. Right. They're like, oh, they're just, she's just crazy, or she's being the B word or whatever. Yeah, that's exactly how it is. And that forces you to kind of just kind of like, I'm okay, fine, whatever, and Mm. deal with it on your own. Yeah. So the perfect example of that would be, uh, it was probably early August of 2019. You had what you described as a breakdown. I did. Tell us a little bit about why that happened and kind of what happened? The reason why I had that breakdown is um, my nurse called me and said, you need to start dialysis. This, you know, you can't keep holding out for it and wishing for better blood results. You have to, you have to do this. And I think you were there that day when you, when I had her on the speakerphone. And we were talking to her. And what happens is my mind tends to go back to every single thing that I have been through. So it's not like, okay, well, I'll tackle it and let's do it all over again. It's not fun. I've been in the hospital more times than anyone can imagine. I've been picked and poked at more times than anyone can imagine. I have to do dialysis more times than anyone can imagine. Um, It gets very frustrating. So my breakdown kind of led to all those things like this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And, you know, the one thing that really bothered me, which probably shouldn't, is being at the time that I was 36, I'm not married. I have no kids and I still live alone. I don't have anyone to help me except my parents. Now what? You know, because your parents can only do so much because everybody grows up. We talked about it in the previous episode that even that PTSD does impact family members that have been through. I mean, they give up a lot. They sacrifice a lot to take care of you and make sure that you're you're okay. But and I understand that. But you were getting like lab work results back prior to your nurse calling, you know, like, you know what those numbers mean. I knew exactly what it meant. I knew what it means. And part of me was in denial, like, nope, it's not going to happen. I'm going to get a kidney. It's, you know, 
like it'll be that easy and it never is that easy. So, you know, I was, I was really in denial about it. So you were like, I'm just going to wait. It's a race, but I'm going to win and I'm going to get a kidney before I need to go through dialysis again. Yeah. And right. I did the same thing the last time. And for those of you that don't know, dialysis is three times a week, roughly about three and a half hours out of your day. Yeah. Where you sit in a chair hooked up to the machine where it filters your blood. Yep. That's a long time. Yeah. yeah. Your dialysis machine is now your kidney. And because I have no kidneys now, I rely solely on that machine every other day. Right. So you knew that that was coming prior to that phone call. Yep. So that sparked what you call a breakdown. Yeah. So that breakdown, and and I'm going to correct you if you are shading what really happened, uh, because that breakdown was kind of, I guess you vented, but the way you vented was by attacking everybody that cared about you. I did, yeah. I was really, really angry. And yeah. I was having a lot of anxiety. And with the anxiety, none of the doctors wanted to help me. So that's like leading up to that. Again, that's about what the time frame I came into play as far as taking yes. care of your medical. So yes. after that breakdown is when that happened. Mm -hmm. But leading up to that, I mean, even I who, you know, I've had lots of experience dealing in that field over 20 years. Everybody is different, how they handle stress, how they handle those types of situations. It's, I mean, it's a life altering situation. And yeah. we have been good friends for a couple of years. Yeah. And I can tell you that after the fact, I was very disappointed in myself for not seeing through what was going on. And looking back on it, it's so obvious but, you know, in hindsight, a lot of things are. Right. But you were venting. And obviously, when you have a mental illness or multiple, if you don't mind, would you like to tell us about your mental illnesses? Like, which ones have you been diagnosed with? And, and keep in mind, I want everybody to know that there's a lot of factors that play a role in a mental illness. It could be the long-term medications that you've been on. Mm -hmm. uh, it's obviously the PTSD. We discussed that in the prior episode. Oh, yeah. Um, anxiety. Um, go ahead. Tell us a little bit. I mean, what else? I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And so they wanted to put me on meds that help with the depression and then meds that help with the, the anxiety. I could never find the right combination. And it's very frustrating for somebody like me. Because they're not experts at kidney or dialysis. They just think you're coming in and need something because I have the stress and I stay in bed all day and everything irritates me. So you're like, they assume you're pill shopping. Yeah. And in my case, I, I wasn't. I really needed help. So going back to your, your breakdown, that was the point where you, you knew, I mean, you knew ahead of time. The nurse makes the phone call that you need to go on dialysis ASAP. Mm -hmm. And like I said, that's when, when I kind of stepped into the picture as far as your medical yeah. care. I remember calling that nurse mm -hmm. and saying, I need you to please tell me everything there is to know about what needs to be done and why. 
And my reason was, I know you know these things. And me first coming into the picture, I was cool. You can clue- get some of this over your head. Right. <laughs> so I knew that was going to happen. Uh, you were resistant to the dialysis. So I contacted her and she took the time. Uh, I will give her that. It was about a 45-minute conversation. And I specifically told her that I need to be able to convince you to do the right thing. But at the same time, you are smarter than I am when it comes to anything medically related. So I needed ammo, is what I told her. Yeah. And she filled me in. And between that conversation and some research I did on my own, I ended up convincing you that that was the best thing. And you Mm -hmm. were in rough shape. You were in rough shape. I really was. Yeah. I remember walking into your place and saying, I just want you to listen, but you're going. Yeah. And you did not resist. I really had no choice. Right. So that's when we ended up in in the ER to get the emergency central line put in so you could start dialysis ASAP. Yep. But prior to that, uh, you had had an appointment with a therapist at the Mm -hmm. same hospital that handles your kidney issues. Mm -hmm. And... I went with you to that appointment. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah. And you wanted me to go in to see exactly what goes on in those, we'll call them sessions. Right. And I sat there and listened, and you guys did your thing. And at the end, uh, she asked if I had any questions. And I said, at this point, I mean, I need to backtrack a little bit. You guys did your thing. Mm-hmm. And then she informed you that you were removed from the kidney transplant list for, it was a year, I believe, Mm -hmm. because of your breakdown. Yes. So during this breakdown, you canceled all your appointments. I canceled everything. I think during the breakdown, I got to the point where I didn't want to do this anymore. Like, I'm done. And people don't understand why that decision is made, not just by me, but other transplant patients as well. Yeah, so she's telling you because you had a a breakdown in which, in reality, it lasted about maybe five, six days. A little less than that. It was about five or six days where it was, you know, you were Mm -hmm. basically, it was tough to even talk to you about anything. Oh, I wouldn't let anyone talk to me. Right. And I remember that. So... Call it a week, uh, mm-hmm. but for conversation purposes, I did tell her two weeks. I said, so you're going to hold these two weeks against her mm-hmm. after 36 years of her doing everything that was asked of her and then some. Because mm-hmm. you had a kidney that lasted 23 years, and that's yeah. special in itself. Right? Exactly. You don't make 23 years by doing what you're not supposed to. Right. And her response to me was, Yes. And she immediately went straight to her policies, procedures. Yeah, I remember that. I'm like, okay. I had the feeling that her job was not to help you, but to almost disqualify you. Yep. It blew my mind, and I'm not a professional by any means, but it blew my mind that she was not reaching out to help you. No, she wasn't. It was, okay, you're disqualified for a year, and we'll see you in, I believe it was like four or five months. Yeah. And then she recommended you see someone local. Yep. Who has no idea about kidney transplant. Not a clue. Right. So that in itself was mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. To sit there and listen to a professional 
anxious to disqualify you. Yeah. Based off of a problem, a health problem, a mental health problem. Right. So aside from it being mind blowing, now you are in need of emergency dialysis. Mm -hmm. And they took you off the list for a year. I remember walking out of there. And I remember you looking at me and saying, you turned right to me and said, I guess I'm not getting a kidney. Yeah. I know we're getting a little sidetracked from the whole mental health thing with the, you know, talking about the kidney transplant and all that, Mm -hmm. but that's part of it. Like, yeah, that's a a slap in the face. Like it is because I have done everything that, that they have asked me for in general from the time I walked in those doors the very first time to even today. Right. And when you were a child, even, I mean, your parents made sure everything was done. Absolutely. So they really had no, there was no outreach. Like, mm-hmm. Natalie, why did this happen? Why do you think this happened? Let's let's figure out how we can deal with this. Um, I, I know f- just from what we did, because our course of action was let's get a plan in place and let's get through this. Yeah. And we made the best of it, right? Yep. But the, a professional wasn't willing to do that. Mm-mm. They just sent you out the door knowing that you just had a breakdown mm-hmm. and basically sent you on your own to deal with this huge mental stress of... And it just created more stress because even going to those therapy appointments and seeing the psychiatrist and the therapist, it's a tap dance. You 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 are literally talking about the same thing every single time you're there. So policy procedure. It's policy procedure. They repeat everything. And then by the time I get out of there, I'm like, okay, I had no fucking help. Now what? Yeah. You failed me. And I, I clearly remember you almost quote unquote saying that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's your right to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would 100% agree with you. It makes you wonder at what point do you, where do you find help if they're just going to say you need to go somewhere local and we live in a small town, mm-hmm. right? There's no specialists in right. And this person was a specialist dealing with kidney transplant patients. Mm -hmm. And that was the best advice that she could give you was see you in a a few months. Yeah. Go locally. Both the therapist and the um, psychiatrist were both, they work in the kidney unit. They're there for us. They're there to supposedly help us. Well, from what I But I, I really felt defeated that day. Yeah. And actually, I did as well because yeah. I guess my whole point of going was to kind of assess what's going on and where do we get help. And I left there like worse off. <laughs> I, I felt worse than what yeah. I did. Yeah. I like, was, why did I even come here? Right. And I even specifically asked her for direction. Mm-hmm. And she went to our local community mental health website pulled up the website yep. and gave me or tried to find a number that I have already had. Yeah. And instead of teaching you like coping mechanisms, uh, getting you maybe proper medications to get you from point A to B, which point A to B I'm talking about diagnosis mm-hmm. and and learning and, and therapy and, and that kind right. of There was no A to B. Mm-mm. It was A to C. Mm-hmm. Like, A, you're on the transplant, and C, see you later, you're not. Yeah. 
I felt like if you messed up one time, if you had one breakdown or one instant incident in the doctor's office, just like one little tiny trigger, they're like, oh, no, you're off the list for a year. Try again later. And I, I kind of get where they're coming from as far as making sure you're mentally stable mm-hmm. to receive a transplant. I get that, right? Because right. if they're going to, if, I mean, if someone's going to be a donor and you're getting an organ, a life-saving organ, and there's thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of other people that are in the same boat, yeah, they need to know that you're going to follow through with all of your medical appointments and treatments and whatnot. Right. But they, need they also that. need to know and understand that the third time, the fourth time is not as, it's not easy. It yep. doesn't get easy. It gets harder. It gets harder because now you have mental illness in it. And holy crap, if you even cry one tear, it's like, oh, no, got to let you go. So, and that's kind of the point I'm making is these people that are following these policies and procedures, mm-hmm. they have never been through a transplant. Mm-mm. Neither have I. Right. But if I can see it, I would surely hope that they can see it. You would think. You would think. So when you talk about mental illness, I said earlier there's a stigma around that. Like people shy away. As soon as they hear that, they shy away. Yeah. And there's multiple other uh, stigmas that are in the same boat. Mental health is kind of being addressed uh, Mm -hmm. or so it would appear. Yeah. What advice would you give someone who knows somebody who has mental illnesses? Take your time with them. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to the words that they're saying. Sure, they're saying all these words. I want to die. I want to kill myself. I want this. I want that. I don't want to do this anymore. But you need to really listen. I think that's very good advice. And my advice would be, because what I noticed when you had that breakdown was you didn't want to hear anything. You did, but Mm -hmm. like you wouldn't let anybody say anything to you. Nope. But deep down inside, you needed to hear, it's going to be okay. We, we're going to help you. Right. But you you wouldn't let anybody tell you that. And that's part of a mental illness where you go from zero to 150 and reality is not there anymore. Right. And you almost, I mean, you were making things up like they weren't real. Like what you were saying, it wasn't real. Yeah. Like you're telling someone who really does care about you that they don't care about you. You're telling someone that does this for you or does that for you that they don't do that. Mm -hmm. And you were convinced. And until you were able to, after like the fifth or sixth day, Mm -hmm. you were able to realize that. So my advice would be you have to be patient. Yeah. But persistent. Yep. Like you have to give them the room that they need, but you also have to be persistent in, in letting them know that you are there. Yeah, absolutely. And they're going to say some things that are going to hurt your feelings, maybe. Yep. Uh, they're going to say things that are not accurate. Yeah. And and I think that's more of a defense mechanism, but it's also part of that anxiety combined with the depression. And Oh, yeah. And, and you see all the time on Facebook the different memes about anxiety and depression, and they're po- like complete opposites. Yeah. And you have all that going through your head. Yep. With mental health... That is what, that's the best thing you can do. I mean, you, you have to 
to be able to help somebody, you have to have the patience to let them get through that or help them get through it. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to be persistent in that. Yeah. And once you get through that part of it, then it's a little bit easier to discuss getting therapy, getting counseling, that type of thing. That little door opens a little bit more and more for you to be let into that person's personal. Right. And I think once you're, that door is cracked open, mm-hmm. it can be accessed from both sides. Yeah. Right. You could like with your mental illness, you could actually open up a little bit. Yeah. Maybe even say, hey, I'm sorry, whatever. Um, and then that person trying to help you can say, don't worry about it. You know, I understand. Right. We're going to move forward. Right. Yeah. So some of the red flags like that I was seeing through that whole process. And like I said, looking back at it, I'm, I'm almost like highly disappointed in myself that I didn't see the underlying issue, which was the bad results on your lab work and leading up to the nurse calling you. Looking back on it, I, I see it clear as day, right? But I didn't have access to your lab work. I didn't see that. And, and most of all, I didn't even understand it, right? So right. if you would have told me, hey, uh, this level's at that, then I wouldn't have known what you were talking about. Anymore. Right. But looking back at it, there was plenty of red flags like leading up to it. Like, Oh, yeah. Everything just suddenly becomes negative, like... Yep. It's a beautiful day out. It's sunny in 85, and in Michigan, that's something special. Yep. And In my eyes, nope, today sucks. And you Pretty would much be, how it was. Right, and then you would want to pick a fight over it. Mm-hmm. And then it would become something like personal. And you would take digs that yeah. were that I know that's not how you feel or think, but it was a defense mechanism. Like I was fighting with everybody. Yeah, literally everybody. And I didn't care what was said. I didn't care how they felt or how I felt. I was raging against a war in my head. Do I want to do this all over again? Should I just stop? Should I just let myself go? Well, and people I, don't understand that. And you were you were almost down that road. Yeah. Like you were, we talked about it before, that you don't have like normal symptoms that normal people have right and i saw them right and that's when i approached you and i was like okay something has to be done yeah but it wasn't until i approached you that you were able to accept the fact that yes i need to go in yeah and those of you that don't know when you have kidney failure to the extent where natalie did um there's it's life-threatening it's and she was to the point, we went to the ER, and they did all kinds of tests. They ran yeah. uh, x-rays. When I left that night, finally, I think it was like 1 or 2 in the morning, the ER doctor was a great guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I was impressed, and I just have to say this really quick. He came in, and he knew every date of every transplant. Yeah. He, he knew a majority of your surgeries, and he was not looking at the computer. Mm-hmm. And that impressed me. That, that yeah. was a highly intelligent guy. Right? Yeah. So I, I had to go to leave once you were, everything was stable and you were in good hands. And mm-hmm. and as I'm leaving, I thanked him for taking good care of you because he was, he was a great guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he said to me, he said, no, thank you, sir, because you just saved her life. He said another day or two and she would not be here. I believe that. And that was because of the fluid 
build you had, up. Yep, you have a ton of fluid build up around your lungs, which obviously pushes on your heart. Yep, and then that's where the high risk is. Yeah, um, but your fluid retention was through the roof. You would have just sat there. Yeah, yeah, I I would have. And that's what mental illness will do. You knew, like you could visually see the fluid build up. You could. But I also didn't want to do dialysis and live my life that way. Obviously, it's different now. Um, but during that stay, I ended up doing dialysis, like, I think every day for three days to get that fluid off. It was extreme. Yeah, it was. But mental illness, you know, when you're dealing with that or not dealing with it in your case, because the help wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, they turned you away took you off the list, and then you get the news, your kidney's failing, and here you are at your house, sitting there thinking, for what, right? Why would I want to go through this if yeah. you're not going to put me on the transplant list and help me? You just denied me, and that plays a part in my mental illness that creates thoughts that I don't want to have. And it's like you said, if you weren't there two or three days later... I wouldn't be here. Hence the medical warrior. Yes. Because she's here with us. And I am. she's battling every day. She doesn't give up. And like I said, watching her has humbled me to the point where, I mean, it's unbelievable. But that just goes to show you the mental health part of it, how important that is. Mm -hmm. And I can't say it enough looking back on it. The red flags were there. Oh, yeah. And not just for me, but for everybody. Yeah. But you become so immune to those. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, oh, here goes Natalie again. Yeah. It's blowing up my phone, blaming me That's for this. That's how everybody was. Nobody wanted anything to do with me because I was so negative and didn't, again, you know, didn't want to do this. And nobody can understand why. And all you really needed was someone to... Crack that door open a little bit by being patient but persistent. Absolutely. Maybe give you a hug and say, it's going to be all right. We, yep. got, we got you. And, I mean, that eventually happened. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is you were turned away mm -hmm. without direct help, like no direct line of assistance. Right. So what do you do when you're turned away, whether you're in a transplant office or you're in a regular therapy office, what do you do? What does that person do? Where do you go? Where do you turn to? Because now you feel like you're defeated. You were just turned away. Um, maybe your insurance canceled and they don't take you anymore. So now you're done. Go and walk that, out the door. And that's a whole different a animal. Di oh, absolutely. But it does happen. And you know, like I said, what do you do? Where do you go? You feel so defeated and so heartbroken that you're like, I came here to help for help. 36 years under my belt with this place. And this is what you tell me. Yeah. And when you have a mental illness or it doesn't even have to be related to that. It could be addiction. It could be, right. you know, any type of thing that's hampering you from processing and being able to function on a normal level which like you said you were discouraged mm -hmm. but yet you're dealing with this inner this inner war yeah and 
you can't help to think that someone's going to automatically go to screw it. I'm done. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the big thing that needs to be addressed is how do we help people when they're in that situation? Not how do yeah. we help people if they were normal? Right. And by normal, I mean, I'm not discriminating against people with mental health issues. Right. Because mm-hmm. I'm the first one to tell you, and I've said this a million times, if anybody says they don't have some sort of mental illness, run. Because yeah. they, they crazy. Yeah. And, Lying. And, yep. And so I, I, when I say normal, I'm saying they're talking about when they structure these things, these hotlines and whatnot, it's, it's getting better. It yeah. is. But the inlet to get assistance is designed around people who are not dealing with those inner wars or those... You know, they're not hampered by certain things. Yeah. And they may not have somebody to say, let's go over here and get help. Right. So when you're left on your, your own and kind of isolated, which many people are, a lot of times it's difficult to see past that. Like when someone has a mental illness and they have an outbreak or an episode or however you want to tag Describe it. Describe it. Yeah. It's people around them, family members, friends, whoever it may be. Please look past that initial outburst. Look past that. Look and see if you can see any red flags that were leading up to that. Uh, usually they're pretty negative, right? They start to mm-hmm. become negative. Um, I can tell two days out when Natalie's about to explode. And I'm able to head that off before it happens at this point. Which, looking back on the summer of 2019, I still kick myself in the butt for not doing not actually doing what I just recommended you do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Get that door cracked open. Uh, Give them a a way to kind of, they need an exit out of that, an easy exit. Like you can't say, don't, I'm not talking to you until you apologize for that crazy stuff you said, right? Right. That's not an easy exit. No. Kind of just talk to them. Like look past that for a minute and then. Listen. Listen. And then, Listen between the words that they're saying. It's not just the words that they're saying. Something else is going on. And that's the biggest piece of advice that we can give. Yeah. Because if we take everything personal that someone with a mental illness says without helping them, like right. you, you have to offer help. Yeah, right? absolutely. And it can't be a repetitive thing, right, without getting help. Yeah. And... I think even though you didn't really, I mean, you started to get help. Like you went locally and then you were diagnosed with the bladder cancer. Yep. And that removed you from that therapy. Yeah. But I think. Priorities. Right. Because you've been, you've been through a lot. Yeah. But I think by me taking your advice and my advice. Yeah. And combining the two. I think we, for what's happened in the last six months. I think we navigate quite well now. Oh, yeah. And is it tough? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's you learning to cope better. Yeah. Different ways. Yeah. It's more talking about it. Yeah. Like, hey, I know you were thinking this and feeling this, but this is maybe a possibility next time. Yeah. Um, and the important thing is try to give yourself that little bit of a window Yeah. to evaluate. Right. Absolutely. Yep. And sometimes that means put your phone down. Yeah. Take a nap. I have to learn to put my phone down (laughs) quite often. Take a nap. Yep. You know, because when you wake up, 
you know, you feel better. Yeah. Sometimes it's not as bad as it was before. Right. Yeah. And the main thing is let that door crack open some way, somehow. So they have an outlet, you have an inlet right. and meet in the middle and offer to help, but let them know you understand like they need help. Yeah. And you're willing to walk that walk with them. Absolutely. I agree with you. So with that, I think uh, we'll wrap that up. Obviously, there is a lot more to talk about with mental health and how it's related to your medical journey. And mm-hmm. we're definitely going to have plenty of episodes where we're going to talk about that. Yeah, more. more conversations to come. Yeah. We just felt that that was a good one to get out there since yeah. the last episode was dealing with PTSD. Yeah. Absolutely. So we want to thank you guys for listening. And I'm Natalie. And I'm Joe. Check it out on Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We got Facebook going, Instagram. Uh, Drop us a line. Give us some comments. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for listening. I'm Joe. I'm Natalie.